What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Sports Card Madness, the podcast that covers the entire collectible space, including sports cards, business, technology, and more. Now brought to you in partnership with Fanatics Live. For this episode, we sat down with Doug Plagans. He is the play-by-play announcer for the Florida Panthers. This was an awesome conversation. He is a bigger collector than any of us realized. We got into a little bit about what his day-to-day is like and how he got started working for the Panthers, but then we dove into his collection and he actually showed off some cards live on the show. And there were some pretty cool ones. You'll definitely want to check it out. Before we dive in, I've got a big ask for the audience. If you could take a few seconds and go on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and either follow us or subscribe to us, that would be super helpful for the pod. Even leaving us a five-star review would be amazing. This will help keep the podcast coming every Friday. Thanks, everyone. Kick is on the way, and it is Okay, everybody. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Sports Card Madness. Uh, this is LZ, and as always, I'm here with Nick. And today, we have a really interesting guest. We have Doug Plagans, radio play-by-play announcer for the NHL's Florida Panthers. Doug, it is great to have you on. Um, we've kind of become, let's call it like Instagram friends, going back and forth with different questions. And you know, you've been providing some great feedback for Nick and I just on the podcast and, and, and all that. So happy to have you on. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me and thanks for the content. And like I said, I'm, I'm on the road a lot, especially during the hockey season. So I'm always looking for stuff to download, stuff to listen to, and the more sports card content I can find, uh, the better. So I, that's how I stumbled across your podcast and uh, I appreciate the good work and everything from you guys. So keep it up. Great. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's always great when we find guests who just have an interesting background, but are also into cards. So when, when we started chatting and and I, and I found out about your background, I'm like, we, we got to have Doug on. So really appreciate the time. This is, this is going to be a good conversation. Definitely. Yeah. We're psyched. So Doug, what, what led you down the path that made you become a an announcer in the NHL like a lot of kids I I loved sports first thing I ever wanted to be professionally was a weatherman when I was like six years old but I I didn't love science as time went on but I could sit in front of a TV and be entertained by any sporting event didn't matter what it was and I was also interested in the presentation of the whole thing whether it was on radio on TV and I just grew to love sports as time went on, really took an interest in the, in the whole broadcast thing. So when I went to school, that was when I went to college, that was something I was, I was really interested in pursuing. And I went to Lake Forest college, small school outside Chicago, had a campus radio station, had, you know, NCAA D three athletics. By that point I had, uh, I had retired from my athletic pursuits and, and taken my talents to the broadcast booth. And I had a chance to dabble in, uh, in radio on the campus station, uh, that was where I just was able to kind of grow my craft and, and kind of just hone my skills. And it was a, it was a great place to be able to do that. I had a chance to call hockey and football play by play for a couple of seasons before I graduated. 
I went to Syracuse, got a master's right out of there in broadcast journalism, interned for the Syracuse Crunch of the American Hockey League, was able to build a demo reel. And then uh, right out of school, it would have been the summer, fall of 2008, got my first professional job with the Idaho Steelheads in the ECHL, which would be the double A affiliate of the Dallas Stars. And that was where things took off. And now I'm my, my 16th year of pro hockey, my ninth year here with the Panthers in the National Hockey League. It's been every bit the dream come true that I hoped it would be. And growing up in Michigan, just outside Detroit, hockey was kind of, it's kind of in your blood when you come from that part of the country. And growing up as a, a kid in the 90s, it was obviously a, a pretty good time to be a Detroit Red Wings fan. And people always ask me, you know, you, you work for the Panthers. Did you root for the Red Wings growing up? Yeah, I rooted for the Red Wings growing up. I was from Detroit. I was a kid growing up in Michigan. The team was loaded with Hall of Famers. They were winning cups every couple of years. It was, it was a great time to be a fan. And those teams were what really helped build my love for the sport. And I guess I would take it one step further and say, but when you start working for a team and you are with them every single day, home and road, doesn't matter if it's at the NHL level or in the minor leagues. And you're, you're around these guys every single day. You see the work that they're putting in, whether it's a game day or a practice day. Your level of emotional investment at that point goes beyond anything that you ever felt as a fan. So for me, yeah, those Red Wings teams in the 90s, that's what helped me love the sport. But absolutely uh, now, it's, it's Panthers through and through. As, uh, as I'm in my ninth year now with the Florida Panthers here in, the, here in sunny South Florida. I love it. What a cool story. What a cool story. Good for you. I didn't realize you've been an announcer that long. What does that interview process look like when, when you interview for a play-by-play uh, -play -play announcer? Like, is it just like, here's my work, here's my, my demo reel? Um, you know, just curious. It's, it probably varies from place to place. Um, you know, I just had, I had a handful of conversations sent along my demo reel. And I think that's, that's one of the things too, is, you know, everybody can send along a demo reel and it's so easy. Now you just send a link. I remember when I first started applying for jobs, you had to, you had to burn everything onto a CD. And then you had to hope that when that CD got to wherever it was going, that it would be formatted correctly to play on the person's CD drive, uh, which was, you know, you just fingers crossed, hope that it would. Uh, but when I applied for the Panthers job, you, I had it all on like a, a YouTube link and just fired it off. And, um, you know, obviously that's, that's a big part of it. And, you know, then it was going into talking about all the different uh, things have changed in the, in the whole broadcast world, obviously. And yeah, the broadcast is important, but there's so many other things that we do with a sports team, whether it's, you know, things out in the community or, you know, mm -hmm. social media presence. Now we uh, my friend and I, who I work with, uh, we're in year six now of the official Panthers podcast. I mean, I think, I think our last episode we just recorded was our 277th episode. Um, we, we joke that that podcast has uh, finished kindergarten because it, uh, it's about to turn six years old. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's something that's been, been growing over the years and, uh, you know, just in terms of contributing across the board, any way that I can coming up through the minors, I was fortunate enough to be able to do a lot of different things, help in a lot of different areas of the business. And, uh, and it was something that, uh, you know, that was something that I think helped me in, uh, in getting the job here with the Panthers. It's uh, I'm glad that you touched on kind of some of the other things that you're working on, or like, for instance, the podcast, congratulations on that. That's phenomenal. I, I wasn't aware that you had a podcast. Um, what is like a, a, the day, what does game day look like for you? Like, when does it start and when does it end and, and what happens leading up to it? 
Well, we, we always joke that during the, during the season, there are only two days of the week there, you know, for most people, there's, you know, Monday through Sunday for us during the season, there's game day and there's non-game day. Those are really the, the two days of the week. Sometimes you get game day a couple days in a row. Sometimes you have a couple non-game days in a row. But for, for us, a typical game day, uh, get up in the morning, go over to morning skate, especially for a home game. I'll use home game as an example. Go over to morning skate. That's when we get you know our, our interviews for the pregame show. I chat with our, our head coach, Paul Maurice, for every game, uh, a one-on-one, and he's absolutely outstanding. And, uh, and so we get all of our interviews in the morning. And then... Uh, I would say that the actual game preparation kind of starts the night before everybody prepares their own way. For me, I like to sit down before I go to bed the previous night and just buckle down for, you know, an hour, an hour and a half and just jot everything down. That's if we're not playing a back to back and, you know, time allows for that. But uh, I like to just jot everything down the night before for a game. Like, for example, at the time we're recording this, we play the Bruins tomorrow I obviously am very familiar with the Boston Bruins. So that's just mm. going to be more of a refresher. Whereas our last couple of games at the time of this recording, we played Edmonton, we played Anaheim. Those are Western conference teams that we don't see uh, all that much, just twice a year. So sometimes a lot of time passes between games against those teams. So there's a little bit more of a, of a refresher that's involved and a little bit more preparation that might, uh, might need to take place, but everybody's got their own method. I jot everything down and I like to, you know, come back from morning skate, cut the sound, send it off to the radio station so the producer in the studio has it for that night. And then I just, I, because I don't like to rush, I like to have everything, everything in order. And then when I get to the, get to the arena, get there around, uh, you know, for a seven o'clock game, I'll usually get, uh, get to the booth around four o'clock or so, make sure we're connected, make sure that technically everything is, uh, is up to snuff. And then, uh, and which it, it always is, but stuff can happen. I just like to yeah. be like to be prepared we like to test our lines so that our um you know our connection down to the down to the locker room works so we can do our you know player interview after the first period stuff like that so uh just like to make sure everything's in order and then um if there's anything else that happens uh you know i'm able to be on top of it or um you know if there's anything else to to do at the arena to assist with anything uh you know in the lead up to the game i can do that but uh, that's it. I would say I probably spend as much time preparing for an average game when you when you break it all down between the actual preparation, the studying aspect and the cutting all the audio and things like that. I probably spend as much time preparing for every game as the actual game takes. Very cool. Very cool. So, Doug, this is a uh, obviously a sports card podcast. And one of the coolest you know, reasons we wanted to have you on is I know that you're a collector personally, which is pretty interesting because you work in the business really. And you're also a collector. I wanted to ask, you know, how did you get into sports cards? What do you like to collect personally? And what are some of the, I don't know, what are some of the best things that you have or the, some of the the cards you're most proud of? Well, yeah. So that's what I was mentioning is that on the road, I'm on the plane a lot. So I'm always looking for podcasts and I tend to look for sports card podcasts and hobby podcasts first. So my first, I still remember my first pack of cards. I had at some point told my grandma that I wanted to get some baseball cards when I was four years old. And so my grandma had gone to the grocery store and she said, here's, uh, here's a, uh, you said you wanted some baseball cards and she handed me, remember the cello packs where you could see through the, 
through the top and the the old top cello packs. She hands me a cello pack of 89 tops baseball. I I do not remember who was in that pack other than I, I remember thumbing through it. And I said, I, I didn't get any tigers. So that was the only thing I remember from, uh, from that cello pack of 89 tops. And then not long after that, I remember being at 7-Eleven and they had 1990-91 pro set hockey on the counter by the register. And, uh, and I remember my dad getting me a couple of packs at 7-Eleven that day. And I think it just kind of snowballed from there. And then my dad and I started, started collecting when I was a kid, uh, early 90s. I'm sure a lot of us remember all the same sets from that era. We probably all collected. And, and I know that the stuff from that era, um, you know, I know that a lot of it didn't necessarily hold the value that we all hoped it would, but there's still a crazy amount of nostalgia for, for everything from that point in time. So I was a huge card guy all the way up through my whole childhood, through high school. Um, I also got really heavily into memorabilia and autographs, like late 90s into the mid 2000s. Like a lot of people, I, you know, once I got into the workforce, started working full time, especially with my, do- my job traveling a lot. Um, I was very much in and out of the hobby for a long time, uh, you know, and then eventually dove back in. I think a lot of people have a, a similar story in the, in that regard. It's just you you go you go really hard for a long time, and then life life starts to happen, and then you may it maybe takes a backseat. I was never fully out of it. I'd still pick up a random piece here and there. I'd still keep my eye on it, uh, you know, and you know if I was in different different places and had a chance to see a card shop, things like that, I'd still stop in. But I knew that eventually if I did go get back in, it was not going to be a, a dip your toe in the water thing. It was going to be a, a dive head first back in kind of thing. And that's, that's where I am now. That was the direction I went uh, a few years back. And it's, uh, it's been something that has been a real source of enjoyment for me. Um, my, I have a lot of variety to my collection. I still collect a lot of the new stuff. For example, uh, I just ripped a couple of hobby boxes of the new Tops Archives baseball. I think that's a it's a really fun product. Uh, and I was out, we were out in San Jose recently, and the guys from Mojo Break have their shop there. And I've gotten to know them over the course of the last couple of years. Really good guys, just outstanding mm-hmm. people. And they have a nice store in Santa Clara. So it's uh, it's happened twice now. So I can say it's a tradition when we go to San Jose, as long as we have an off night the night before the game. I'll stop in their store and I don't rip a ton of wax, but I'll, that'll be like my annual wax pilgrimage and I'll pick up some stuff from them. Uh, I still jump into a couple of breaks here and there with, with, with those guys from Mojo break. Uh, I'm probably, there's a new upper deck hockey product coming out this week at the time we're doing this. So I might just grab the Panthers in, uh, in one of those just to see what I can get there. But I like to collect some of that stuff, but I still tend to, and I think listening to you guys a lot, I think I, you guys are probably in the same, same lane, but I still, I like to have some of the new stuff. I like mm-hmm. to, you know, just, to, I, I just like to get some of the new stuff. It's fun. It's fun to occasionally open some packs. I like to get at least something of a lot of the, the current rookies across all the different sports. I'm interested in all of it, but I tend to go back to the classics more than anything. And maybe it's, you, you see cards that, when I was 11 years old, it was just a picture in the Beckett magazine. And to me, it was something that was unattainable. I'm never going to be able to get that card. But then you become an adult and you maybe have uh, have the means to go out and and uh, and conquer some of those old collecting dreams that you had. 
from back when you were a kid. So I've got like a, a handful of things. I actually have some of my stuff out right next to me here. Oh, cool. So just to show you the variety, like right here, this is, this was like the card I was looking for the most at the national and it's from 2022 Panini impeccable WWE. It's numbered to 99 Hulk Hogan auto. So oh, that's oh, awesome. Yes. I was yes. Hulk with the, the boa. With the boa. Uh, yeah. That's it's, amazing. He, signed, he put the Hulkster autograph on it, which he doesn't always do apparently. So, okay. um, yeah, I was, I was looking for that one. That was one that I, that I really liked. And, um, so I was, I was looking for that card. Uh, here's, this is a, this is a nifty one right here. Oh, uh, near and dear to our hearts. SGC seven Jordan rookie. So, um, yeah, this is to me, that's on the Mount Rushmore of cards mm -hmm. all time. Uh, I, I think I speak for anybody in our age bracket. It might not be the most valuable card, but this is the card. Oh yeah. The Griffey. The Griffey 89 upper deck. This the most beautiful baseball swing ever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, 80, the 89 upper deck Griffey is it's, it's the card. Oh, with the and beautiful white border. Oh, yeah. I, I remember care. that. There are oh. 397 million of those cards. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Sorry. It's, it's still the We card. all need one. Yeah. yeah, it's like an instant flashback. It's like, bam, I'm 10. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, there's that. Uh, I have a, here's a Gretzky top. Oh, rookie. that's nice. That's oh, another that's nice. Rushmore card right there. The yeah, Gretzky, Gretzky rookie. rookie. Got a yeah. six. That's, that's beautiful. Gretzky, Beckett, six, tops rookie. These are super fragile cards as, uh, as everybody knows. So um, yeah. And then I've gotten into, gotten into some of the, some of the, Oh, here's one. This was one that this was a kind of a, a grail card for me, not like a super expensive card or, or anything, but there it's a surprisingly rare card. 2012 upper deck Goodwin champions, the Joey chestnut autograph. Oh yeah. <laughs> Joey chestnut, the goat, the goat, uh, man. Odd, oddly enough, that card if you look at the pop reports between like the four, the big four grading companies, I don't even mm. know if there's been like 35 of those graded. It's, it's a, it's an oddly rare card. And I was shopping around for it for a while. And I was, I just, the big, big Joey fan, big Joey fan. <laughs> oh, how could you not be <laughs> that? That guy's legendary. Oh, yeah. that's, that's awesome. I might, I might need to pick one of those up. You, I think you've inspired me on that one. <laughs> that's really cool. That's really yeah, and cool. It's, like I said, it's, it's not like a, it's not a crazy expensive card, but there's, mm. there's definitely a sneaky rarity factor to that card. Uh, and so I, I had to jump on one at one point when I saw that it was already slabbed up. I was like, okay, I'm going to grab this. Talk to, talk to us about the process leading up to that. Cause that is a very interesting, rare card. Like, how did you even get the idea that you wanted to chase and, and find a Joey chestnut card? Do you, were you looking at pop reports and you're like, Ooh, this is a, this could be an opportunity. So with that, if I recall correctly, so, I mean, like, like all of us, I, every 4th of July, I, I watch him just dominate the field and, and so World class I, uh, athlete. as time went on, yeah, I, every year you'd watch him just go out and do his thing and it's fun. It's exciting. He's a guy mm. that everybody's going to, going to always remember as a great in his, uh, in his area. There was a, there was a documentary I watched that just kind of you know, furthered my, my interest in, uh, in getting the Joey chestnut card. And then I just kept watching them online and I kept shopping around for them. And I would see that these cards would, that they weren't like, you know, we're not talking about a card that's 10 or 15 bucks. Like, you know, they all go for, you know, at least a hundred bucks or so. And I'm like, and these cards are these people bid on these, these cards get some traction when they get put on eBay. 
And I looked up the pop reports and it's just not a card that is at all that plentiful. So it got me to the point where I was thinking like, okay, I've got to really start trying to get one of these because I feel like there are a lot of people like me. If you're buying that card, I don't know, maybe you're buying it to flip the card next 4th of July. I'm sure there are people that do that, but there are also, whenever whenever you're dealing with a card that isn't accessible every single day or that doesn't come up at auction every single day, doesn't matter if it's a a $10 card or a $10,000 card, it makes you think like, okay, the next time one of these come up for auction, I, maybe I need to just buckle down and get the thing. And, and that was what I did. I, like I said, between PSA, SGC, Beckett, and, and now CGC, I don't even know if they've graded 35 or 40 of those cards. It, It might even be a number lower than that. I feel like we're at a point now where, especially after the last few years, everything's been graded it feels like um you know anything that was made before 2020 and this is a this could be another tangent we go on but when i go to a card show and i see a big card from 2010 to 2019 that's not slabbed i've got to honestly ask why that card's not graded because i feel like everything got graded that was made during that time period so you know i so i feel like for for that card a pop report's probably pretty accurate. Uh, you know, if it's if it's a relatively no, low number, I, I feel like once you got into the, you know, 2020, 2021 time period, anybody who had that card, who was aware of what they had, would have sent that off because there were far lesser cards being graded, as we all know. We see them in dollar bins all the time now. So it's, uh, it's a card that, like I said, I, I knew just wasn't coming up for auction every day. They're still on eBay, buy it now, things like that when you want to get them. But, uh, but yeah, I was... That was one that I was really excited to grab when I got it. Yeah, I can I can tell. Yeah, that's it's interesting. It's just the story alone. It's really interesting with that card. Um, with so this you're you're doing a lot of research, right? Even just this ex- example of the Joey Chestnut card. Uh, curious, especially in your line your line of profession, right? Uh, you seeing all these different NHL teams every night. Do do you kind of look at these teams and, and think about even like prospects that eventually, you know, cause you see them so often, like, are there any like rookies that you have a better eye on than certainly the rest of us? Cause you're seeing them constantly. I'm, I'm just curious, like, do you chase after rookies and prospects in, in the NHL at all? So I would say when it comes to oddly enough, when it comes to hockey cards, most of the hockey that I'm buying is, or that I would look to buy is, older hockey stuff. I, I mm-hmm. love the, I love the vintage hockey and any of the newer hockey stuff I get is probably because it's a Panthers card or it's a, maybe it's a player that I, at some point uh, had a, you know, had a chance to be around or, or the, a guy that uh, played for us at some point in time. Those might be the ones that I'm most likely to look at. Um, you know, for example, I don't have it in, not in this box, but you know, I, I have a, I have a cool, like uh, Matthew Kachuk SPX RPA out of 99 that I, that I picked up and, you know, I've got some pretty cool Alexander Barkov autographs and uh, stuff I picked up. Just, I like to, for me, it's like, uh, you know, you pick up kind of mementos. These are, these are players that, you know, years down the road, I'm going to remember that, you know, these cards are going to remind me of all the great games that I saw these guys play. And, um, you know, and I can also, you know, speak for, for, all of us here we're very fortunate here we have an absolutely 
just really engaging, really approachable, high character group of players here that uh, that are just really fun to be around every single day. So, um, you know, anybody in that lineup, uh, any any of the Panthers that I've had a chance to be around, I, we've been around a lot of really nice guys here, and it just makes you want to go and when you have a chance, when you stumble across something, you know, pick up uh, pick up a card of a guy. Uh, because it kind of it reminds me of you know when this like I said some of the great games some of the nostalgia I think at the end of the day that's probably why we a big reason we collect anything we collect is is nostalgia but like I said it's it's cool Mm -hmm. to have cards of the of the players that I get to see every day the guys that I've seen you know develop uh, you know from young guys develop into stars Um, you know I picked up I have a a cool Sergei Bobrovsky RPA that I picked up uh, you know at some point over the last year, uh, I just like to have, you know, one or two cards of, of all, a lot of the guys that I've had a chance to, to be around. So a lot of the new hockey I collect is, is Panther inspired. Um, that being said, like, I know I, I do get to see a lot of these guys play in person. I get to, you know, I see every team play, but I would tell anybody it's when you, if you're looking for, if you're looking for a guy to be excited about a guy to PC, things like that, there's, there's so much out so much video out there and, in every sport, the games are so accessible now that, uh, you know, whether it's highlights or watching full games, um, you know, if you, if you want to scout the next guy that you're going to, that you're going to build a, build a PC of, you have, you have, uh, you know, endless video at your, at your fingertips to go and, and find the guy whose, whose game excites you, whose cards you want to collect. Mm-hmm. It's so yeah. refreshing. Um, just the the words like memento and, and memory and mm-hmm. how that applies to collecting because you know you get a lot of the the flippers and the prospectors and it's just like oh his card's down fifty dollars this week and this guy hurt his thumb and you know now his card's going down and it's just it's just madness like it's just crazy and at the end of the day like we're collecting something for a reason or we think it's cool or whatever um, and every one of the things that you have it seems like you have a reason behind them or a reason to have them and collect them, which I think is awesome. You know, I think um, more people should collect that way. Well, at the end of the day, collect what you like is the oldest phrase in the, in this whole thing. And, uh, and I think that, you know, if, if a guy it's sports, you know, there might be injuries, things happen. Um, You know, if, if a guy being out four to six weeks is going to make that card anymore then maybe maybe you shouldn't have bought that card i don't know it, it, you know at the end of the day maybe we should collect what uh what fuels us what gets us excited i realize everybody's in it for different reasons and i would never tell somebody not to you know i'm all for everybody having different reasons why mm-hmm. they're in the hobby i think i think saying that i'm never going to sit here and say that why somebody collects is the wrong reason because i think you need all that coming together to form the to form the whole ecosystem. I think it yeah. just all blends together. You can't have an entire hobby of people doing it the exact same way. That, that's yeah. not going to be fun for anybody. It's no. the, one of the coolest things is being able to being able to talk to different people about their collections. And you, I could, I could meet somebody and we could both have been collecting cards for years and years and years. And we could literally not have the same card in our collections. We could have two totally different collections, but we can still sit there and speak the same language and understand, uh, you know, understand what we're, what we're both talking about. And I think that that's one of the coolest things too. It brings us together. You know, it's like how I found you guys listening to a podcast, looking yeah. for card content. And, uh, and I know you guys collect a, a lot of really cool stuff, your autograph sets, everything like that is 
I listen to that and I just, uh, I'm in awe of some of the stuff that you guys have been able to get, but it just, uh, it makes, like I said, that, that just brings it all together. It forms a community, if you will. I think it's really cool. Love it. No, you hit the nail on the head with that. You know, you're a listener. So you, you know, me and Nick talk about it all the time. It's the relationships, it's the community, it's the experience, you know, meeting to getting the chance to meet great people like you. I mean, this is, it's exactly why why we we are involved, me and Nick, and it sounds like you the same, uh, Doug. Um, for the audience, Doug Doug's uh, IG is actually a really good one to follow. It's kind of a very uh, eclectic. Uh, certainly, he's got the the Florida Panthers uh, content on there, but he's also got a lot of other content. And um, I saw a few different posts, Doug, of you getting involved with fanatics and doing a couple posts there. Can you just what what's going on there how'd you get connected with them and just curious what's going yeah, on yeah I've, I've been i've been fortunate enough to do uh do a number of things on the side with them and it's been a lot of uh you know memorabilia breaks we've done we've been doing some of that stuff um going back you know sporadically over the last couple of years and great people there and i i have a friend there who i you know who's he's been with them for for a while and everything I do with them is, you know, it's on the side and they've been nice enough to bring me out to the, uh, to the national the last couple of years to do some of the stuff uh, at their booth, which has been really cool. But, uh, you know, they, a couple of years back, they were looking for somebody to, to host some, some breaks online and somebody who had a little bit of comfort on air, but also who knew, uh, who knew the, the hobby lingo and, and could speak the hobby language. And um, they're 15 minutes down the road from, from where I am right now. So it just uh, it just all lined up lined up correctly, and it's been that's been so much fun. Whether it's been stuff that we've done, like I said, right here locally at uh, at the at their building about 15 minutes from here, or if it's been going to Chicago or uh, or Atlantic City with them uh, for the national, um, it's been it's been a ton of fun. And uh, and like I said, it's it, being able to do that. It's that's just been really cool on the side, and some of the stuff that we see come out of these boxes is awesome. And and being able to get on there and like I said, just, uh, be on the air, if you will, but do something totally different. Uh, that's been, that's been a lot of fun. So yeah, great people really thankful that I've had the chance to do some of that stuff. And, uh, and you'll probably see me doing some stuff down the road too. Oh, cool. Awesome. That was going to be my follow-up. I'm, I'm glad to glad to hear that you're going to be doing more stuff. And obviously I, I, during, the, during the hockey season, it gets tough with my schedule too. Um, hmm. you know, working it in, fitting it in. Um, that's why during, during the summer, there was, there was a good amount of stuff during the summer and the national, everything like that. But, uh, but yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure we'll be fitting some stuff in down the road when we can. Nice. That's Excellent. great. Yeah. It's cool to, uh, to see what fanatics is just doing in the hobby. I think yeah. it's amazing the way that they're publicizing this. I mean, I think we had like the first commercial, you know, for tops, like a television commercial, um, pretty amazing stuff. It's kind of cool to watch, you know, we'll see what happens with it all. And I think, uh, you being a part of it's pretty fun, you know? Oh, and, and yeah, like I said, I'm not, I'm not in the meetings. I, I go when they, I, I go there when they ask me and, uh, <laughs> you know, do, do, uh, you know, I, I kind of just go along with, with, uh, you know, I'm not in the, I'm not in the high level meetings or anything like that. I'm, uh, I'm hired uh, to, to go and, and do the work when needed, but, um, I can speak just as a collector. I, I love, that they've tried new things with a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, some of the chases that have been put into, into some of the products and um, you know, some of the, some of the personal tie-ins that they've, that they've made 
as chases in some of these products. I, I love I love some of the new stuff that's out there. And you know, that's the other thing I would tell. And I think there's some other people on different podcasts because I listen to a number of them who've said something similar. But hey, if there if there's something that gets put in that's something new, maybe maybe you're not crazy about it. We also need to realize not everything is made for each one of us individually. It's about getting new people into the, into the, into the space, into the hobby. And, um, you know, there are going to be things that you love. There are going to be things that maybe just don't resonate with you, but that might resonate with somebody else. And at the end of the day, the more people that we can get interested in all this is better for all of us. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't want the hobby to just stay, you know, stay where it is. I want it to grow. And, and I love that. That's, uh, that's what fanatics is trying to do too. Exactly. All right. So Doug, we have our final question for you. We, um, you listen to the pods, you probably know what's coming, but I think I know asked... what's coming. <laughs> I, I've been, I've been wavering on this for a while. Oh. Exactly what direction I want to take. But... Okay. All right. Well, I'm ready. I'm so, ready. uh, yeah, it's the coffee question. You know, if you could get a coffee, sit down for an hour or two with any sports player dead or alive, who would it be and why? So I think, there i've had a hard time narrowing it down to one but among the tops on that list chris jericho i just think he's had an i've read i've read some of his i've read you know one of his books and I, he was always you know my favorite wrestler I, I and he's he's done the music thing he has a successful podcast He's one of those guys that you just wonder, okay, how does this guy ever have time to sleep? But at the same time, if you read his book, he's got such an interesting story. It was, he was traveling to all ends of the earth to make it work in the wrestling world, ended up being really successful there. And then he loved music. Hey, I'm going to do the music thing. He has a band that tours, that plays festivals, that plays shows. He has this podcast that has a wide listenership. He's always, you know, posting on social. And again, you wonder, okay, are there like four Chris Jericho's? How does he have time to do all this stuff? But I just think it's a, I just think it's a really cool story about somebody who's had a lot of dreams and a lot of passions and turned them into a reality. And, and I think at the end of the day, we can all look at stuff like that. And it, we all have ideas. Um, and, you know, the, what, what's holding you back from putting those ideas into motion? And I, I think he's been a guy that's been able to been able to show that and and if you're that name might not even resonate to a lot of people if you're not if you haven't watched any wrestling over the years but he pops up all over the place he's kind of transcended wrestling in uh, in some other in some ways but he would be one Shaquille O'Neal would be another I just think uh sitting down and, and having coffee or, or having lunch with Shaq I think you'd probably I think you'd probably leave that conversation just thinking like that was one of the coolest conversations I've ever had I I feel like we see him on on TNT doing the NBA stuff. And I feel like, uh, you know, if it's, if it's anything like that, and he was, he's always been one of my main, main card PC. He was the first player I ever collected. He's kind of what elevated my basketball fandom. I saw mm -hmm. him pull the backboard down in 1992 on TV oh. and thinking that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. I like that guy. And, uh, and so I think he'd be, I think he'd be uh, right there on that list too. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think those are the two names that, I was, I was racking my brain with this and I kept, I couldn't get past those two. They would probably be uh, probably right there at the top. And I don't know that you've had a Chris Jericho mentioned yet. Uh, on we, we have not. I'm a huge fan of Chris Jericho. I th think he was super entertaining. I didn't realize he had a book. So thank you. I'm going to probably he's a, check He's got that. a couple of them. I'm actually behind on the Chris Jericho reading. I think the theme around the two that you, you brought up is 
what they did after their career. Both of those guys, right? Yeah. Um, very hardworking, you know, bit of entrepreneurial spirit in them and just try, just trying different things. Both of them, they get their hands in everything. And so. for guys that, especially in the case of Shaq, who defines larger than life figure, guys that do seem, despite accomplishing a great deal of success, who seem pretty down to earth and mm. who seem pretty, pretty approachable. And again, they've accomplished a lot and they've, they've gotten into a lot of different things. And, and I think, uh, I think that's really cool. So yeah, those are the names that, those are the names that kept, uh, kept coming up. I've been racking my brain about this for like a week trying to think, <laughs> and those are the two guys that I just, I couldn't, I couldn't think of anybody to bump them off. I love it. That's, that's great, Doug. Um, so if anybody in the audience wants to to hit you up about your collection or who knows, maybe they just want to ask about, you know, your team or what you do, you know, what's a good way for you to be found online? Yeah, I'm always on there at Doug Plagans on Instagram um, for the nature of my work. I try and Instagram's the one that I've tried to become more active on as time's gone on. And as you said, you'll probably notice you, you get on my Instagram some people start like a separate Instagram for cards or, you know, they have like their personal and their professional. I just throw it all into one. I, I don't, I don't think I'm cut out for managing multiple Instagram handles. So I just put it all into one. So you're going to see stuff about the Panthers. You're going to see stuff about cards. You're going to see stuff about concerts I've gone to. You're going to see stuff about food that I try on the road. So you're going to get uh, a number of different things there. So it's just at Doug Plagans on Instagram, D-O-U-G, D-O-U-G, P-L-A-G-E-N-S. Also, um, on uh, on what used to be Twitter, on the now X, uh, you can you can tweet me there because I I don't know of a synonym for tweet. So you can tweet me there uh, at Doug Plagans. Same thing. So uh, I'm always there. I'm always on both. And if anybody's ever inclined, you can flip on one of our broadcasts on the Panthers app. It makes it so easy. There's a little button that says radio in the top corner. You just hit that and off you go. But um, you can, I, I always tweet out the different, uh, different places to listen every single game. So, uh, so that's all there. The NHL app makes it easy to listen to. So, um, so if anybody's ever so inclined, you can, you can find me there 82 nights a year plus playoffs. You got it. Excellent. Well, thank you, Doug. Thank you for your time. We appreciate it. This was uh, really cool for me. Just, uh, well, I didn't know what a big collector you were kind of behind the scenes. Yeah, I, I'm always keeping my eye on it. And, uh, you know, on the on the plane sometimes, you know, when I'm not listening to a podcast or while I'm listening to a podcast, I'm I'm draining my phone battery, just uh, <laughs> going back to all my eBay searches and, and things like that. When I'm not preparing for a broadcast, that's usually what I'm doing uh, in my free time is just uh, shopping for whatever the next whatever the next purchase is going to be. So uh, so I can't thank you guys enough. Like I said, I'm always looking for new hobby content, stumbled across you guys. You guys speak my language on a lot of this stuff. I know you guys collect the classics too. That's always awesome. And, uh, and I just appreciate a lot of the different stories and you guys have a really good dynamic. So um, congratulations on the early success with your podcast and, and keep up the good work. And thanks again for having me. Thank you so much, Doug. Thanks, Doug. All right, everyone. That was another episode of Sports Card Madness. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. If you like this episode, please take a few seconds and subscribe wherever you get them, and uh, we'll keep them coming. Thanks, everyone. Mm-hmm.